0: Hello and welcome to Understanding Religion. I am here with the smartest man I know, Ralph Weinstock. How are you doing today?
1: I'm working through my ABCs.
0: That's good. Well, this is the first episode of what I hope will be an ongoing series where we talk about different faiths and religion and how they got started and what they believe and why they believe it and sort of compare it to what Christians believe.
1: A lot of people have done this before. Why did you decide to do it? Well,
0: what originally spawned the idea is that I have lots of Mormon friends, and I've talked to a bunch of Mormon missionaries over the years. They like to frequent the park I live nearby, Shumash Park. And every time I talked to them, it got me interested in researching and studying what Mormonism is and what they believe. And I found it fascinating. So I started compiling all these research and notes, and I'm like, well, I need to use this in some sort of podcast form, all the stuff I've compiled. And I thought of you, because you're very knowledgeable about theology and doctrine and things of that
1: nature, so I thought you would be a good person to
0: share this information with.
1: Well, I look forward to having you bounce it off me, and I'm excited to hear what you have to share with us. I'm excited, too.
0: Okay, so yeah, I think Mormonism is very fascinating. And the Mormon Church claims to be Christian, but there are many differences. And I wanna talk about some of those differences by diving into the history and what they believe and why they believe it. And I think we have to start at the very beginning with Joseph Smith, the founder of the religion. So the Mormon Church is called The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, the first question to keep in mind is, what do Mormons believe about Jesus? Because that name, Jesus Christ, is in the title, and very deliberately so, I think. Very strategically so. Yeah. yeah. Um, You know, even the devil agrees that Jesus is Lord. But what I find is that the Mormon view of Jesus is vastly different from the Christian view. And this is important because Mormons self-identify as Christians, but whether Mormonism is true or not, I think the LDS Church is not a Christian church so that's sort of the thesis I'm trying to prove in this
1: okay, so you're gonna get, are you gonna get off and sharing how it diverted or where it where it went wrong kind of who, yeah we well, yeah, walk through happened. the history
0: and then where the beliefs came from compared to what the biblical Christian belief is and how it's different you know I, my aim is to be fair. Is to not, I'm not trying to poke fun or tease anyone, but I'm trying to just support what I'm saying. All right, so let's start with Joseph Smith. All right. The man himself. Yeah. Joseph Smith was born in 1805 in Vermont and moved to Western New York at age seven. As a child, Smith was interested in the magic arts. When Smith was 15, he said that he was visited by God in Jesus Christ.
1: Well wait, wait, wait. So how is isn't that a stepping off point right there? I mean yes. tell me I mean, Moses, how did nobody has visited with God except right. Moses visited the burning bush and saw God's or heard yeah. God's presence. But how yeah, did, I would say that's what the, does the first he mean by that?
0: red flag of the story, you know, okay. and he says that when God and Jesus visited him, they said that his sins were forgiven and that all contemporary churches had turned aside from the gospel. I mean, Joseph wasn't Christian at this point. He didn't really believe in anything. I'm sure he knew about the Bible and knew about Christianity. Mm -hmm. But at 15, he wasn't believing. So I don't know why, you know, they would say, oh, your sins are forgiven.
1: Well, when I think of the Apostle Paul, and I think of some of the different disciples, how much time they spent with Jesus before they even recognized him, and then yeah um how he's recognizing him here just seemed yeah like seemed very very lot, yeah. it's very contradictory to both the old and the New Testament, and so what is it that God did that made yeah. his unique experience change everything in all the history? Why did God change his mind? that's where i'm going
0: yes yes and i and I remember from reading that at first he said he taught he saw two personages. And then later on, he said, oh, they were God and Jesus. Um, and there's also no explanation here as to, like, why the church needed to be restored or how it had gone astray, too. And, like, you mentioned Paul. Like, when Paul, he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, right? And it was in the form of a bright light and a loud voice, right? Acts 9, where Smith saw two personages. So even that's a little different than an example we know of someone encountering jesus in that way
1: well wait yeah. why would god bring jesus along what was what is yeah. mormon uh, what is Joseph smith does he give an explanation for that no and like as if as in why are you seeing them as two separate or what was the entity? importance of having yeah. both of them there why wasn't it just god the father there and just jesus there what yeah. what's the importance of, of their relationship i understand mormonism to teach that Jesus is what is Jesus relationship to God the Father weren't you telling? Me?
0: Yes, well I will get into that. Oh uh, okay. Yeah, yes. And why wasn't the Holy Spirit there and this, you know, was there a dove with the how come no dove? That's what I want to know. Okay, so 3 years later, it's 1823. Smith says he was visited by an angel named Moroni who directed him to a buried book of golden plates. Now, these plates told the story of an ancient American civilization. Using a pair of special glasses, which I don't completely understand that part, Smith translated the plates. Moroni then took the plates
1: and disappeared. Smith published the Book of Mormon in 1830. Okay, so stop for a second. Okay. Because as I understand it, he first, dis- you know, God, the Moroni, excuse me, the angel Moroni told him where it was just a short distance away so he could dig up this, yeah stone you know he was in the woods behind his parents house i believe When this oh, okay and so there's this stone neatly inside of them there are these gold plates mm-hmm. and how many of these gold plates were there i mean because the book of mormon think of how big the book of mormon yeah yes it's how many pages yeah it's a lot of, yeah it's a lot of pages a lot of pages would you say it's about as thick as the bible maybe Um, probably the the New Testament, I would say. About Uh, as thick as the New Testament. So picture how many words, you know, on a plate, and how much a plate would have to weigh in order to stay in position. Because he had to pull these out all out of this stone encasement of some sort and look at them and then lay. As I understand it, it took, he did not translate them for four years. He left them exactly where he found them. Well, he didn't pull them out, and then Moreau and I said, okay, it's time, in 1827, and then he wrote and published in 1830. So what I'm getting at is, first of all, why didn't he pull them out in 1823 when he found them? Second of all, how much would those plates have weighed? And third of all, how would he have been able to lift even one plate himself? Because he was by himself.
0: That's true. You know, those are all very valid questions, I think, into this. Now, Ralph, the Book of Mormon, to put it briefly, tells the history of two ancient civilizations that lived in the American continent, the Nephites and the Lamanites. The book teaches that Christ revealed himself to the Nephites and preached the gospel. This visitation happened after the resurrection, but before Christ ascended into heaven, right? There was that 40-day period now, here's the kicker though. The Book of Mormon claims that Native Americans are descended from the Lamanites, who are Jewish in origin. But it's widely accepted that Native Americans are
1: Mongoloid in origin and not Mediterranean. Did you know that? As a matter of fact, I did. And of course, you set me up for this, but it's true. There is a video out there, it's about an hour long, that it's it re- basically relates DNA in the Book of Mormon. And it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt, using DNA evidence, that there is not one single case. And they they took hundreds of cases of Central and South American Indians. I guess they took their blood. And, it, and anyway, there is not one shred of one person that exists before 1492 when Columbus, you know, eventually yeah, came to the Americas. So it's a this this didn't happen. Yeah. Oh. Lo and behold, <laughs> Mormon apologists, when confronted with this in this video, even mm. are forced to admit that it is impo- it's an impossibility. And that's a huge thing. That's yeah, the central to claim. The, yeah. They belong to the, the Mormon church, and they, have, they stand the possibility of being yeah. uh, evicted for or whatever. I believe they say it was, it was
0: after the Tower of Babel that this group... Migrated over to the Americas, and that's how they. Yeah, so
1: that's a little before 1492, is it not? <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 I'd say way before. Not
1: <laughs> one drop yeah. of men of Middle Eastern blood was ever found prior to Columbus. What yeah. do we do with that? Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty. Is that not road. a? To me, I those are like checkmate arguments. To me. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm not, I I have some I have friends that are wonderful people I lived in Idaho where 50% of the people in my town were Mormon yeah sure great great folks yeah but it doesn't take away from what is is and if, if you choose to ignore what is then you all of us whatever if we are confronted with truth and we choose to ignore the truth we then become enslaved to the falseness of whatever we're hanging on to yeah. for whatever reason
0: no absolutely absolutely Um, So back to Smith. So interesting is Smith calls Moroni an angel, but the LDS Church calls him a glorified, resurrected being. Right, so Moroni was a prophet warrior and the last to write on the Golden Plates. After he died, he became the guardian of the Golden Plates. Moroni is the son of Mormon, whom the book is named after. But I think the problem with Moroni being a human is that humans don't become angels after they die. So he couldn't be, I don't think he could be an angel and a human. Mm-hmm. Uh, but So was Moroni a ghost? Because uh, the Bible says man is destined to die once, and after that to face a judgment, right? Hebrews 9. There's only one example I can think of in the Bible of a ghost, and that's when the spirit of Samuel talks to Saul, right? This is when the witch of Endor sees the spirit coming out of the grave, you know. and Saul yeah. talks to her, right? Samuel 28. Wasn't exactly a friendly
1: No, (laughs) it came from Satan. It's one of Satan's, right? right, Yeah, you know.
0: And it's worth noting, even that Samuel's spirit had to be summoned to come up. Right, he wasn't roaming around. So even the nature of well, what is Moroni exactly is a little uh, fishy. I think the nature of this, but here here's the the biggest point I want to make about Moroni. Okay, and it's what we see in Galatians. Paul warns us about angels giving messages. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse, as we have already said. So now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse.
1: Do you know what that gospel is? Because it's a different gospel than the Mormons teach, is it not? I do, yeah. Tell me what the differences are between the two gospels.
0: (laughs) Well, we're going to get into lots of differences. Oh, okay. As but but I know devil, that, yes. you
1: know, I, I mean, the, the, Christ, the yeah. what, what, what First they say about God is
0: different. What they say about Jesus is different. The Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is different. Salvation is different. Heaven is different. You know. <laughs>
1: God,
0: I does. would say how they define the good news is different. Yes. <laughs> yes. So let's just say he was a, you know, an angel. Okay. Yeah. This angel has yeah. given you a gospel different than the gospel that God gave to us. So
1: but what isn't right. God updating his gospel with the Book of Mormon <laughs> with uh, the Moroni with Joseph Smith? Isn't he just updating it bringing wow. it to modern up to speed because it wasn't complete after all?
0: Yes, well, th- I mean that's why we you know this warning appears multiple times, I think, if anyone gives you a different gospel that, that warning so this this sounds more like something a fallen angel would do, right a deceiver would do yeah. than, than a true angel would do, right you know, assuming there was a visitation of a, a spirit being at all. Um,
1: so are you saying that you're suspicious <laughs> of this angel's position in giving a different, uh, giving this gospel message? You're you're already questioning it. I, I, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. As of now, I would say Moroni f- feels like a demon to me. And that's setting up Smith being a false prophet. Okay, so does the Book of Mormon preach a different gospel? Yes, right? Mormons believe that the Book of Mormon is inerrant. They believe it's the most correctly written book of all time. Even more correct than the Bible. Now, that's a very big sticking point. They also believe that the head of the LDS Church is a prophet, and that their prophets are correct, and that's why Mormons should follow them. Mm -hmm. So... They're putting two things above the Bible, basically. Their own Book of Mormon mm-hmm. and related books, right? Order of Wisdom and, uh, and their own prophets, the president of the church.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They, for them, it's like, what's the highest authority? Because you'd think it would be Jesus Christ because it's in the name. They're like, no. What the prophet says is, is our highest authority.
1: Is, is there anybody that has got hardcore evidence that has come out that over the historically that's been published, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking of the. Well, there's
0: lots of examples of you know the, the LDS prophets contradicting each other, you know,
1: over time and all these sorts of things. Well, the Kinderhook plates that took place in Illinois that was a it was a deliberate. and There were nine members of I think some press and, and they mm-hmm. they deliberately came up with these uh, bell shaped. Uh, copper plates or brass plates that had okay. these a- ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics on it or something to that a- effect. And they lured Joseph Smith into interpreting him mm-hmm. and uh, was later demonstrated, shown beyond a shadow of a doubt that these guys conjured this stuff up. It wasn't Egyptian. He, and Joseph Smith used some type of uh, lexicon, Egyptian alphabet lexicon. First of all, the original language of the plates were said to be a... It was like an ancient Egyptian. Ancient Egyptian language that nobody spoke. And right, it's an he, unknown language. Unknown language. Well, he claimed, you know, that he was able to decipher this, too. And it turned out that they fabricated every little yeah. artifact on these pieces of...
0: Grass. Yeah, it, mean, it means that no one else can even <laughs> verify that they were translated correctly. Well, what I'm getting
1: at yeah. is these guys verified beyond a shadow of a doubt, that they conjured this stuff up on purpose to trap Joseph Smith. Mm. He went for the bait. It convicts him of being a false prophet, but the church understands the gravity of that. So they went along with it and said, oh yeah, it was was legitimate no matter what they're saying. Don't listen to the world. Interesting, interesting. Okay,
0: yeah. Because there there is famously like the Ten Witnesses that saw the plates and him translating the plates. But because of this ancient Egyptian loophole, no one can even verify... (laughs) that there's any sort of accuracy to
1: this translation, you know, if
0: there were these plays.
1: And not to mention, what about these glasses, that ta- these rose-colored glasses that he's got? Where did he get them from? Who created them? Did he go to an optical technician and say, hey, can you make me some Egypt- ancient Egyptian rose-colored right. <laughs> glasses to interpret this? Or did Moroni just go, hey, dude, I've been carrying these since I died. Here you go. I became an angel. I don't need them anymore.
0: Yeah, they're they're like comparable to healing crystals. They're these sort of knowledge gems that he had that he made into glasses. Okay, so let's talk about God. Smith believes that God was once a man who was created by a different God. The LDS Church teaches that men can one day become gods. Then you can have your own planet and fill it with spirit children. But this, I think, is the oldest lie in the book. Because one, the problem with God being created is that at some point there has to be a first cause, right? Right? If God was a man, who created that God and that God
1: and that God? There needs to be an original God. Mm-hmm. Well, they're saying there might be. I mean, there is one, right?
0: Well, he's saying the God who they call the God the like, just one God on the on the Father. The, in the chain. God the right, Father
1: yeah. is just somebody in the chain. It's sort of like my dad who used to ask, "Yeah, who is God's 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 right, God yes. ad infinitum?" Yeah,
0: they say, "Oh, God the Father. He was once a man who himself was created by a God." Yeah. who was once a man, right? But, you know, in the Bible, right, I mean, God says himself, I am the first and I am the last, and there is no God beside me. Isaiah 44.
1: Furthermore, natural-based evidence supports that nothing does not come... I mean, something something can come, come from, from nothing. Something can come from nothing. Yeah. And that there was a singular, singularity moment out there of some sort, whether you're, uh, you know... The Big Bang. The Big Bang idea, or some yeah. other thing right, happened. Yeah. So you have to, if you're going to go back and solve a problem, you have to go retroactively and solve, okay, where did, the, where did all this matter come from? Well, it came from something or someone, and then once I know that, then I can go ask that next question.
0: Yes, and I've asked every missionary that question, and they couldn't even give me a theory of what they think the answer is. Okay. <laughs> we just don't know. Okay. <laughs> you know, right, so God says he's the first and the last, Right. You know, Jesus, who is God, even says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end, right? Revelation 22. Um, So Mormons also believe that God created Jesus. But it's clear from Jesus that He is the first. Not the first of creation, He's the first.
1: Just like God says, I am the first. So. Before Abraham was, I am. I am. Yeah. The Jews picked up stones to throw at Jesus four or five times um, because he equated himself to being in the with God forever as as if he had always been for saying I am yeah right right
0: Um, so you know the devil is the deceiver of the whole world right Revelation 12 in the garden of Eden the serpent says to Eve that if she eats the forbidden fruit that her eyes will be opened and she will become like God Genesis 3. The devil has been tempting people with being like God from the very beginning, right? This is polytheism to me, right? Humans are already made in the image and likeness of God, but there's a temptation to be more than human, to be God yourself, right? I see the same temptation in the LDS Church. Join the LDS Church, obey the rules, and you can become God, quite literally. <laughs> become yeah. God with your own planet. Yeah.
1: How? Uh, yeah, so... That just, it's it's amazing to me that if you're fishing and mm-hmm. you spend time out there fishing and pretty soon nothing's striking your lure so you come up with a different kind of bait. Satan doesn't, he just keeps throwing the same <laughs> lure in the, <laughs> the same. same bay, yeah. He's done it since Genesis 3 till today. You want to be God. <laughs> right. And people keep sucking it in to their mouths. He just keeps reeling them in. Sucker yeah. bait. That's true.
0: No, that's such true
1: same one never had to change his lure
0: yeah so jesus as as, so as christians we believe in the trinity because the plurality of persons in one god is clearly demonstrated throughout the bible um it's so but the belief that there are many gods is fundamental mormon teaching and polytheism also has been around since the beginning the belief in multiple gods and that was a big epiphany for me Researching this was like, oh, it is a polytheism belief. Because every member, as you write, gets into the celestial kingdom becomes God.
1: The reality is what Satan taught from the beginning to Adam and Eve multiplied by 8 billion people mm-hmm. is that everybody can be their own God and run their own little universes on earth. That's, yes. that's the lie he taught. Yeah. The Tower of Babel, why did God, out of his mercy, destroy it? Because yeah. everyone was uh wanting to be you know self-identified as important and that's why they're building this thing to heaven like i can be i can become god just like him and so true there you have it it's the same same under the mormons
0: yeah yeah you know even the demons know that there is only one god we see in james too okay so jesus asked who do you say i am so how do mormons answer that question Mormons acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, but their view of Jesus is vastly different. Rather than being the one who spoke the universe into existence, they believe that he is the spirit brother of Lucifer. Mormons believe that Jesus is the spiritual and physical son of Elohim, which means that Jesus and Elohim are two separate gods. People believe like, God came down as a person, had sex with Mary, and, you know, that's how Jesus was born. Uh, Right. So this goes directly against the doctrine of even the virgin birth, which is crucial a a crucial point to Christianity, Mm -hmm. which is the virgin birth, right? Okay, so the Bible. So Mormons famously say, we believe in the Bible
1: as far as it is translated correctly. Okay, so can I interject here? You can, yeah. It's the New Testament, right, that they're referring to here, as far as I presume. Um, What... Qualifications did Joseph Smith have in? Um, did, what was his background in ancient Greek and Hebrew? Did did he have the ability to translate in, or to, to go back to the original texts and draw out from those texts what? The translations were actually saying from koinonia greek which existed i believe yeah, yeah. <laughs> somewhere from 300 bc to 380 in that yeah. zone there was a long period of time where they used that language exclusively for the new yeah. testament how did did joseph smith have a background in that and when he said what you just said which was
0: they believe in the Bible as far as it is translated correctly?
1: As far as it's trans, How would you know it's translated correctly yeah. unless you have the background to translate it correctly? Yes. Does he have that background?
0: No. And it's interesting because, one, when they do reference the Bible, it's always the King James Version. But, two, Joseph Smith himself wrote a translation of the Bible that the LDS Church doesn't even use. They use the King James Version. So that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, the fact that the King James version was surely there at the beginning of Jesus's, you know, reign. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah King, right. the King James is translated from the is you know the Septuagint and the yeah yeah the, the original documents. It's it's an attempt to actually have this background and understanding these languages Aramaic and and uh, uh Greek etc et etc, cetera, et cetera, and being able to know what the uh, original authors wrote on, yeah, uh, yeah. on those documents, so those twenty four thousand documents that make up the New Testament go ahead right.
0: no, but I mean at least we know that many people saw those uh, scriptures in the original Greek and Aramaic and stuff versus the this ancient Egyptian writing that no one else saw and knew to even verify that it was translated <laughs> right. Yet they believe the Book of Mormon is inerrant, but that the Bible is not. Um, but the Book of Mormon was also translated into a variety of languages. So basically anyone who's not English could be wondering, how do we know this is even translated correctly into our language? Well, translated certainly the, correctly. what
1: about the original ones that, you know, up until 1978, you, you couldn't be black and be in the priesthood? Oh, we'll I you're going to get there. Oh, okay. we'll get there, yeah. But there is many. many, I, I, I there is somebody who... This guy I was reading about today. He had and somebody from our original, my original church, had a her mom was a Mormon, and she had the original eighteen thirties uh, um, book of Mormon book of Mormon and how it and put it side by side against today's modern version and it's oh yeah so just, different yeah yeah it got revised it com- a lot and so hugely a lot. Yeah. different yeah how could one. <laughs> put their trust in such a thing does god change his mind does he is he so small that he doesn't know what he's thinking of at the time says oh wait a minute i meant this later yeah yeah no definitely um just a question no it's a good question
0: yeah so for the bible the hebrew text of the old testament and greek text for the new testament are available right greek was the language of the world uh and the greek version of the old testament was in common use in Jesus' time the Old Testament was completed around 400 BC. Um, Jesus often quoted from the Old Testament books and in doing so authenticated them. In 2 Timothy, we read that, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I mentioned that to be like Christians believe that the Bible is inerrant and this is why. This is why they believe it's the word of God. Um, Throughout LDS history, there have been many changes in the church doctrines and contradictions between its scriptures, the writings of the prophets, and the leadership of the church. The LDS church hides a lot of important
1: information from its members regarding this history. Well, you know, it's necessary to say this because those that might actually understand this, the Bible is riddled with a degree of 99 percent of the errors that exist in scripture are a single uh, spelling error or a a syntax something Mm -hmm. got a letter got transposed or upside didn't change the meaning whatsoever and included in that remaining one percent not one single doctrine was ever changed by anything that was missing yes it was very little yeah, I mean that ninety nine percent was like forget it because it's just a spelling error. Yeah, but uh, and the the one percent that actually had maybe a, said one thing in one manuscript and said it in another didn't change the meaning. Yeah, that. yeah. Whereas and that's and, not well, true yeah. here in the Book of Mormon. There's strong differences. Oh yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. from what I read so far.
0: No, and I, I read this testimony of this LDS guy who had some higher position in the temple and had access to these libraries that most members don't have access to and saw all these contradictions of the
1: writings amongst the prophets and, you know, in their their sacred texts. And not to to divert much, just one sentence here. When you get to, a few times down, when you get to Islam, you're going to find the striking parallels between Mormonism and Islam and the contextual um variances in scripture and the, the numerous ones that just change everything yeah change everything yeah. to make it like checkmate arguments because you right. can't have this and this ever existing together and there are many examples in mormonism and there is in islam as well
0: yes that will be a, a future episode hopefully that will be good
1: so there's a lot of elephants in this room right here in the book not just the book of yeah. mormon but Joseph smith and go on here
0: now this i found this interesting i'm curious if you've ever heard this before So some scholars theorize that the Book of Mormon was plagiarized from the works of Solomon Spaulding. Spaulding was a guy who wrote a historical romance story about the Romans discovering the Americas. The theory is that Smith added a bunch of stuff of scripture to one of Spaulding's manuscripts from 1812 It was written and turned it into the Book of Mormon. Spaulding's manuscript contains 75 similarities to the Book of Mormon.
1: Had not heard that. No. But I'm know, I'm not know. a I don't consider myself an expert in, in Mormonism. Right, yes, yes. Um yeah. or anything I, else for that matter. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, I was reading uh Walter Martin's book, uh, The Kingdom of the Cults and he has a section on Mormonism in there and he presented that that that, that was a popular theory of like, okay, so where did the Book of Mormon come from? Did Joseph make it up, you know? Uh because he's like, clearly it wasn't, like, supernatural in origin. It was, like, originated on Earth. It came from somewhere on Earth. He thinks it was taken from the Spalding guy. That was kind of plagiarized from his sort of historical fiction stuff he would write. Okay. Mormon Temples. This is... I'm fascinated by Mormon Temples. I was just in Idaho. I saw, you know, went to one of the temples. I've saw seen the one in Salt Lake City. They're beautiful buildings and... They've always fascinated me. Okay, so after a Mormon temple is built and dedicated as a house of the Lord, only members who are deemed worthy are permitted entrance. This is called being temple worthy. Mm-hmm. To be temple worthy, you have to sustain the president of the church, which means that you agree to follow him and obey him, right? You also have to follow the law of chastity, paying the tithe, and keeping the word of wisdom. In the temples, Mormons perform covenants, eternal
1: marriage sealings, baptisms for the dead, and more. What is the law of chastity in the Mormon church as compared to what Scripture teaches about chastity?
0: I would guess that that's actually the same. Okay. I think it's just no premarital sex. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Yeah, so this is interesting because, in, you know, in Christianity, there, there is no temple worthy. There's just worthy. It is faith in Jesus that makes a person worthy in the sight of God. Every single person who God created is worthy of his love. Our faith in Christ makes us worthy of God's forgiveness. Right. it would be weird to see a Christian temple that Christians weren't allowed in unless they were deemed, you know,
1: church-worthy. That would be a, a very much a red flag. Um, well, not necessarily. Suppose you have somebody who... Uh, is defiant of, of their Christian faith and they're not walking close and and their presence would poison the rest of the congregation well yes
0: yes i would I would say in that case if uh yeah then that would be a reason why they couldn't participate in the regular church service yeah we
1: you know, yeah. we see church discipline how that was handled like matthew eighteen and so on yeah yeah. But but i get this is right. just way on, different than, than how they're on, saying temple worthy yeah temple worthy this seems to be about works yes. yeah your obedience to the the priest and you know if you're willing to follow all the rules then you yeah. get to be temple worthy you get to join our special club exclusive club yeah
0: um so i, I want to mention the the tearing of the curtain cuz i think this applies here oh.
1: The tearing of the curtain at Jesus' departure or what are you talking yeah, about?
0: Yes. Okay, so go ahead. yeah, and so yeah. The the moment when Christ gave up his spirit, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Right? Matthew twenty seven. The purpose of this curtain was to divide the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. Inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. There was a chamber that was so sacred that only the high priest was allowed to enter it once a year on the Day of Atonement which is Yom Kippur, right? You know all this. So the tearing of the curtain symbolizes the end of the old covenant, the beginning of the new covenant, where Jesus is the new high priest that offered the final and perfect sacrifice, right? This was a turning point for the ages. The tearing of the curtain gives everyone equal access to God. There is no
1: temple worthiness for Christians because Christ is our righteousness, so you're getting this from Book of Hebrews, for example. Yeah, it's really strong there. It just lays this out perfectly, and you're you're spot on.
0: Yeah, to me that that the whole story of the tearing of the curtain like flies in the face of this temple worthy idea that only certain Mormons are allowed in the temple,
1: as opposed to now we can all now that uh, Jesus the the temple is the curtain is torn curtain we is can torn. all yeah. enter in essence through through the Holy yeah. Spirit that we, you know, have, we can all enter into the Holy of Holies with our prayers, with yeah. our... We're not restricted in any way to come before God directly. Yes, absolutely. And we and it isn't based on if we yeah. did A, B, or C. It's just based on if we want to have a relationship with them. Exactly, right. If, if I could summarize Christianity in four words, it would be
0: Christ is our righteousness. That, yes, God sees Christ in us and views us as righteous. Okay, so back to Joseph Smith. Okay, I know I'm jumping around a lot. Okay, in 1829, Smith claims that John the Baptist appeared to him in Pennsylvania. I did not
1: know that. Yes. To bestow the Aaronic priesthood. This guy was amazing. He had quite a life. (laughs) Yes. John the Baptist. I would love to meet John the Baptist. I, I mean, just come on, John. Just come visit me in my dreams tonight. I'll eat. I'll even eat a pepperoni pizza if you do a lot, a lot of dead guys visiting this
0: guy yeah, so yeah he he appears to him to bestow the Aaronic priesthood, right Aaron, upon Smith and his uh, a follower of his named Oliver Codri. <laughs>
1: Okay, hold on. First of all, that priest is already dead because of Jesus. You just got there reading about that. Yeah, yeah, Jesus is
0: the high priest, yes.
1: You know, he is the high priest forever and ever, according to, you know, even if you want to go into Melchizedek. But forget that. He he is the high priest, the sacrificial lamb, the whole thing, the whole enchilada. It's Jesus. And there's no need for any more high priests. So that right there is like... A major... Yeah. Makes no sense. Makes no According sense. Cornish Smith, the, the ironic no, priesthood, and, is still alive and well. And if you were Jewish, you might Maybe. say, well, wait a minute, is he a Levite? Because only the Levites, uh, you know, right. directly yeah. from the air you know. It's insanity that, that yeah. this just shows you... This could have been, you know, you might as well be talking about Scientology or... When you get into the depths yeah. of it, this is so childish, not yeah, childlike yeah. childish that even a four, 5 to 8 year old person who is a yeah. child might recognize the inconsistencies here it it does reek
0: of narcissism to me like i am this special chosen person who is uh, now has this high priest thing <laughs> and you can be too uh, yeah, so so that, that event, uh, you know, he was recorded in the the Pearl of Great Christ, which was published in 1851, by the way. So, yes, that is in, in their sacred text.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so the Book of Mormon was completed in 1830. That same year, Smith officially founded a new religious society named the Church of Christ. Missionary efforts began right away. In 1831, Smith moved the Mormon Church to... Kirtland, Ohio, and then Jackson County, Missouri. In 1839, the Mormons were forced to flee Missouri due to the Mormon War and a legal proclamation known as Missouri Executive Order 44. What caused the Mormon War? While in Jackson County, Missouri, Smith began building a temple. Smith believed that the second coming of Christ was near and that the city of Zion was in Jackson County.
1: How cool is that? <laughs> Jackson County. Uh, And
0: a lot of the the locals weren't too happy about (laughs) about what was going on here. Now, I do have a side note. I mentioned uh, narcissism. Uh, This is my opinion, okay? Many people throughout history have thought that the world would end in their lifetime. In my opinion, that belief includes a degree of narcissism. Narcissism. It is a good reminder that no one knows the day or the hour.
1: So... With that, Matthew twenty four, no one knows the day or the hour. It doesn't it automatically disqualify anyone as a prophet who would put a date and an hour, or yeah. even even just a day, or a, a year that when Christ is going to return. Was he saying that this was all going to be over in his lifetime? Yes, yes, yeah. like soon, it's Yeah. Hap- yeah. So, it's one, you know, one more yeah. nail <laughs> in this guy's coffin, but he's already yeah. like. You know. He said, "Oh,
0: that's near. The second coming is near, and uh, and we are in the city of what, Zion." Who have we? <laughs> know, who
1: else have we known that? What other religions have done that? Um, how about Jehovah's Witnesses? Oh, Jehovah's Witnesses, yes. Which I, I know nothing about Jehovah's Witnesses. No, it's it, just that will be a there are millions, say. even yeah. uh, not millions. There's probably hundreds. Uh, Armstrong, there were there were prophets probably in jesus's day that were declaring when the end was going to come and as yeah. if they knew as if the they, did. yeah yeah
0: yeah that that has a very cultish energy to it. that sort of thing well we're
1: warned against that because it's, yeah no one does know the hour of the day where it, it reflects yeah selfish arrogant narcissism And a warning to those people that claim such a thing that they're the the people you can depend on that don't have the truth, it's them. Right, yeah. They're for sure don't have (laughs) the truth. Other people aren't talking
0: about it. You don't know yet. If they say they know, it means they don't know. They don't know. Okay, so tensions grew between the Mormons and the non-Mormons in Missouri. A couple of small battles led to Executive Order 44, which stated that the Mormons must be exterminated or driven from the state... In the coming months, the Mormons were expelled from Missouri, while Smith and his leaders were in Liberty Jail on a slew of charges. Okay, so in 1840, the Mormon Church moved to Nauvoo, Illinois. Smith had been practicing polygamy since Kirtland, Ohio, which he justified as divine revelation. We'll get more into that later. Mm -hmm. While in Illinois, Smith taught his church leaders to do the same. In 1844, Smith ran for president of the United States. So Mitt Romney was not the first, mm-hmm. but Smith was assassinated prior to the election. So in 1844, there was an anti-Mormon newspaper, newspaper called the Nauvoo Expositor. Smith, who was the mayor of Nauvoo, ordered the destruction of the newspaper's facilities. Why? Because because they were saying bad things about the Mormon Church that oh, they okay. were that they were false and not true and all this stuff. Makes yeah. The destruction of the press led to public outrage. <laughs> Smith and his leaders were arrested and charged with inciting a riot. Right, Not exactly a man of peace if he's burning down a newspaper place. While in Carthage jail, a mob of 200 men stormed the building. Smith was shot several times while trying to escape. From that moment on, Smith was viewed as a religious martyr.
1: Translation,
0: he died. He died, yes. Yeah. That's yeah, where that's he died. How, that's how he died, yeah. He was yeah. assassinated. So that that's kind of uh, the short life of him.
1: Yeah, no, but, you know, so who took care of all of his wives after this? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. They, we didn't have welfare back then.
0: Right, yeah. I'm sure um, other leaders in the church, you know, that, that make up their... Their, you know, group of I guess what we'd call elders, yeah, other, yeah, the other leaders of the church. Just uh, a side note, yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, he, he was shot
1: several 200 times.
0: No, 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 200 men stormed the building, oh. he was shot several times, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk a little bit about polygamy because I think this is important. Okay, LDS historians disagree on how many wives Joseph Smith had. Mormon leaders today claim that Smith had 40 wives, the youngest of which was 14. Smith was legally married to Emma Hale and only had children with her. It is likely that Smith was not sexually involved with all of his wives. Three years after Smith's death, Brigham Young was ordained the second president of the LDS Church in 1847. Young was president for 29 years until his death in 1877. After When the, where,
1: where did he die of I think just natural causes. Not syphilis, gonorrhea. Oh. <laughs> right, yeah. Several sexually <laughs> transmitted diseases from having how many wives did he have? Uh, 50, 55 wives, 56, yeah, 50, yeah, children. 50, yeah. 55 wives. I'm getting ahead of you. Yes, so after
0: the fiasco in Illinois, Young led the Mormon Church west. In 1847, Young arrived in the Salt Lake City Valley, which was a US territory. In 1851, U.S. President Fillmore appointed Young the first governor of the Utah Territory. Young taught the Adam-God Doctrine, which states that Adam was a polygamist from another planet and was also the biological father of Jesus. The LDS Church has since rejected this doctrine. Keep in mind that Mormons believe their prophets are infallible. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So Young was, uh, yeah. (laughs) So it's like, this doctrine's right until the next... Prophet says that it's wrong, and then that prophet's
1: right. Oh, wait a minute! That's until like the next... <laughs> that's like executive orders <laughs> used in the White House. Yes. Okay. Now like I very get it. Strange. It's just like that.
0: Yes, he's completely right in, until he's not. Until executive order. Yeah. Revoked. Yeah. So Young had a total of fifty-five wives. He had fifty-six children by sixteen of his wives. The first five LDS presidents practiced polygamy. That's Smith, Young, Taylor. Woodruff, and Snow. Mm-hmm. In
1: 1862... Oh, as a side note, by the way, I yes. think Joe's great-grandmother was one of his wives. Really? Somewhere in the lineup through her mom. Of Brigham Young? Or yeah, Brigham Young. Really? Yeah,
0: from St. George area. Anyways, I, I find... I mean, this is part of Utah history. I, I find it kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. In, in, in 1862, polygamy was banned in all U.S. territories... In 1890, it became clear that Utah could not become a state unless the Mormons stopped practicing polygamy. The US government threatened to confiscate all Mormon property for practicing polygamy. This prompted LDS President Woodruff to abolish polygamy as a practice in the church. Utah officially became a state in 1896. It seems clear that LDS religious convictions were sacrificed for political and economic survival Which is understandable, but hard to justify. Sure. You know. I follow it. Okay. The reason for polygamy. According to Joseph Smith, God told him to practice polygamy. Mm -hmm. The LDS Church argues that God sanctioned polygamy in the Old Testament and often cite that Abraham had more than one wife. Mormons argue that polygamy was instituted for the purpose of bringing forth a new generation. In 1852, Brigham Young taught that a man could only attain the highest level of the celestial kingdom if he practiced polygamy. Young said, the only men who become gods, even the sons of God, are those who enter into polygamy. There's that belief in multiple gods again. Mm-hmm. As of 2009, there are an estimated 30,000 people who identify as fundamentalist Mormons who still practice polygamy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, here's the argument I want to make regarding the Abraham thing. The Bible explicitly condemns polygamy. Even in the case of Abraham, Hagar was more of a concubine than a wife, which is still not ideal. But that's their favorite example to bring up. Several prominent men in the Old Testament, however, were polygamists. But the Bible's recording of polygamy is not an endorsement. From the beginning, God's intention was for monogamous marriage. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh, right? Genesis 2. In Deuteronomy, Moses writes this about the king. He must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold.
1: So, no, let's just play the advocate against yeah. this here. God made some very clear, strong laws mm. In, in, in that were contra. Contra-culture Yeah And, and, and Contra-culture, the, sure. the Israelites Had to Disregard You know They couldn't have Sex with temple prostitutes They couldn't You know They were told All this stuff That they couldn't do Yeah Why wouldn't he Include polygamy And he did not Yeah So I don't know If it's I know it's implicit We see it Yeah That no one Was ever blessed By their polygamous Relationships It was like It diluted their Relationship uh, with their kids, wives, yeah. daughters, and such, a, we can look at it. it it's a good inf- question. Why? Why wasn't it explicitly? But it wasn't ex- explicitly uh, forbidden anywhere. Right. Uh, I I would yeah. disagree with that. So.
0: Yes. Well, I think yeah. Aside from these few references, like Moses saying, a king must not take many wives.
1: Well, it's right not many, but yeah, could be two or three <laughs> could be two or, or, two or four. Three. <laughs> Right, yeah. Uh, uh, they, so is it widely accepted and not written against and you know, I don't think that was like majoring in the majors, but it seems like a holy God who is looking to demonstrate um commitment to relationship and, and that, you know, the he's gonna take us as a bride as a as a whole bride, but he's not it's not a polygamous kind of relationship. Yeah. I don't know. right
0: no it just you know most of the examples I sort of see of these guys like Abraham um like it usually ends poorly and there's usually a big consequence yeah and even then God will still use that and you know forgive them but you know I never see it endorsed I see the opposite of it endorsed right which is monogamy Yeah, I do see that, and I do see the
1: consequences that seem to follow. The more wives you had, the more diluted, and those weren't the the prime. They were never their lineage to Jesus never came through that polygamist pattern. It always came through their the one that God called him to be married to, and so on.
0: Okay, so in the New Testament. Paul teaches that the church leader should be the husband of one wife. Right? 1 Timothy, therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. And then again in 1 Timothy, let the deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well.
1: So it's probably more clear in the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, we're, we're talking about, you and I are sitting here talking about a very unique position. We have flesh and blood did not reveal it to us, but the Holy Spirit revealed that Jesus is Christ and Lord. And we yeah. surrendered, repented, started walking with Him. And we, we understand Scripture from this position. The Mormons that are maybe listening to this do not carry that position. They can walk into anything they, that their prophets have said is okay and permissible, including right. those five that were having you know polygamous relationships. Yeah. They, that's why the fundamentalists are equally on equal ground with the LDS in the yeah. sense that it's all changed scripture anyway. It doesn't have any platform. There's no foundation to where they can measure, oh, the, the, the fundamentalists have... a have uh, less of a good argument than the LDS. Why? Mm. Because the whole thing's built on sand, which collapses. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it, w- it
0: would be hard for them to make a, a good argument for God sanctioning polygamy. <laughs> I see where you're going with it, yeah. <laughs> is where I'm going Because um, Joseph Smith was a church leader, and his practice of polygamy goes directly against
1: what we read there in Timothy, but again, he didn't accept that, because he wrote his own book. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's the reason he wrote his own book, because he wasn't a, a, a believer in Christ, and therefore he wasn't surrendered in Christ, and therefore he was just a tool of Satan the entire, his entire <laughs> life from the age of 15 on.
0: Right, so then... Let's just call things where they are. <laughs> right, so my point is, then don't call yourself Christians. Right. Um, because
1: that isn't what Christ...
0: Yeah, uh, so the reality of ancient cultures is that some men practice polygamy, um, but when Moses says, if a man has two wives, the one loved and the other unloved to Deuteronomy, that isn't Moses endorsing polygamy. Moses is explaining how to best deal with an unideal situation, almost like a parent telling a child to use a condom if he has sex. There are many examples in the Bible of God using a less-than-ideal scenario for his purpose. So that, that's my hot take on these uh, Old Testament examples of polygamy. Seems okay. I mean, seems okay,
1: seems... okay. Okay, enough. black people. Uh-oh. Yeah. Now we're getting into it. <laughs> now we're getting
0: into it. <laughs> okay, Mormon pioneers arrived in Utah with African slaves... Brigham Young supported slavery and wanted to legalize it in Utah. In Utah, slavery was legal from 1852 to 1862. Young instituted a church ban against black people entering the priesthood. These racial restrictions, including no interracial marriage, remained in place until 1978. Smith and Young believed that black skin was the result of the curse of Cain, when God cursed Cain and put a mark on him, and the curse of Ham when Noah cursed Ham's descendants to be servants of servants. According to Young, God decreed that blacks should be servants of servants. Now, I found this interesting because I've heard this Mark of Cain stuff before. Mm-hmm. It's worth noting that the Mark of Cain has nothing to do with skin color. In addition, Cain's... Tell us
1: what the Mark of Cain had to do with. Um, well, about Cain, Cain killed Abel because of the... Okay. Yeah. And so it was and then just as was a, banished. Warning, you know, yeah. as a warning, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it had nothing yeah. to do with skin color. It had to do with his unrighteousness before God. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep
0: going. It, in addition, Cain's family line probably died in the flood. Um, Ham is considered the father of black people since some of his descendants settled in Africa. No, however, cursed Canaan, not Ham. Thus his curse was irrelevant to Ham's sons who had settled in Africa and their descendants.
1: So you mean Noah's curse had nothing to do with skin color either.
0: Yes, exactly, yeah. Noah's curse was specifically directed at Canaan with no mention of his descendants, so any belief of black people are the result of the mark of Cain or the curse of Cain and and Ham is ridiculous. And easily disproven. But for that that was a very popular excuse people used for years. The whole that's okay. Marriage in heaven.
1: Well, once again, Brigham Young didn't follow the Bible either. Let's just be honest. <laughs> no, it's true. They it was like their arrogance said, "I can write a better book than what that has to say." I don't even know what it means, but I can write yeah. a better book than what it says.
0: Yeah. Which in, is in, utter in this ar- book. I will arrogance. become God. And yeah. have 55 wives.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, let's talk about marriage in heaven. So Morans believe in celestial marriage, where that marriage can last forever in heaven. This raises a lot of questions. If a man is sealed to his wife and his wife dies, can he then get sealed to another woman? And if he does, does that mean he has multiple wives in heaven? What if a woman is sealed, but then her husband dies and she gets married again? Can she have multiple husbands in heaven? I've asked this to missionaries. They they don't really know. Oh. Uh, Christians believe that if you or your spouse were saved, you will reunite with them in heaven. You and your spouse, however, will not be married in heaven. The primary purpose of earthly marriage is to reflect Christ's love for the church. Thus, earthly marriages are unnecessary in heaven. There is marriage in heaven, but it's between the lamb and his bride. Also... Uh, Populating the earth would be another purpose, I would say, of earthly marriage. I see. Yes. Uh, Jesus said in in Matthew, uh, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like angels in heaven.
1: Yeah, from Matthew 22. Okay.
0: Yes. And, uh, you know, Mormons like to argue that marriages will still exist after the resurrection. They just won't be performed. Hmm. Yeah, so that's that's their take on that verse.
1: Yeah, but what about the mar- bad marriages, the ones where <laughs> they're stuck with them for all eternity? Adulterous marriages, oh, and, and right, yes. uh, ones where they couldn't uh, hmm. have children, so that the, the Mormon man divorced his wife for that reason alone. Yeah, and that. on and on. There are many. You know, what about the abusive husband who was addicted to alcohol? even though right. he was a Mormon yeah. he shouldn't have been drinking but he was yes and, yes, and he was addicted scenario. to it and he beat he beat his wife well apparently if you got sealed to that person in the temple so you're sealed through eternity then you're yeah you're that sounds like eternity. eternal conscious torment like I've never heard before <laughs> yeah that makes uh, Matthew you know yeah anyway what he says there a lot uh, less a lot more tame Yes, I'm yes just suggesting right. yeah. that there's another part of scripture it's a whole different direction that talks about the refiner's furnace and what's gonna our, our, are yeah. we're gonna be sorted out just fine sure sure but we will have relationship with people mm-hmm. in heaven but it'll be completely different than this marriage bond thing that you're yeah. talking about like you said yes yes right
0: um okay marrying someone of a different faith Speaking of marriage, Mormons are encouraged to marry other Mormons. Makes sense. The church teaches that if two Mormons are sealed in the temple, they can reach the highest level of the celestial kingdom, where they will be married for eternity, as we mentioned. They will become gods with their own planet that they populate with spirit children.
1: Wait, what if the the husband wants one planet and the wife wants another? (laughs) Is she still subservient to the man's will in heaven? Because he's the god that was created to rule over her?
0: it's a good question are they co-gods is there a
1: hierarchy there once no, they I, no I don't think so you know? i think that the man was meant to rule over yeah the in his little god world which is why he's a, and the women can't even come to heaven unless they get married to a man right yeah. so what happens unless so those other women they're not going to make it to the celestial kingdom no they'll be in the no, terrestrial so. or the other one yes which we will get into those other ones
0: Um, But what I've I've noticed, Ralph, is a lot of Mormons get married to non-Mormons. Now, Mormons are not forbidden from dating non-Mormons or marrying non-Mormons. This was so common that church policy changed so that temple-worthy women who are married to non-Mormon husbands can still attend temple. Which is, by the way, the dynamic you see the most is Mormon women married to non-Mormon husbands. Much more than the other way around. Um, The Bible teaches that Christians should not marry non-Christians, of course. In the Old Testament, the Lord gives strict prohibitions against intermarriage faiths. Moses taught the Jews to not marry Gentiles. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and quickly destroy you. Wow, harsh words from Moses about interfaith marriages. Oh. Uh, it is worth noting that Moses himself married a non Jew before it was banned by God. You can't. You can't Had to throw that in. Yeah, yes, that's yes. not important, though. No, I know. But people like bringing it up yeah. as, oh, as an okay. argument. Well, Moses was married to a non Jew. Yeah, yes, was, yes. But before. You, before he
1: was visited by God and the burning bush and all that stuff. Yes. Um,
0: at no point does the New Testament contradict to the Old Testament's prohibition of intermarriage. It only enforces it. First Corinthians, we see a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. Uh, second Corinthians, do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? or what fellowship can light have with darkness pretty strong yes so i find, i found it interesting that in this one scenario the christians are actually more strict about no you have to marry another christian than the mormons even are where it's like oh, that's fine if you marry non-mormon you just can't do the whole celestial kingdom temple mm-hmm. thing but you know it's not forbidden
1: yeah, I see what you're saying. So, you know, if you want to you want to be great and own your own little planet, you got to do A, B, and C. And if you're not doing it, it's okay. You're still going to live. Because they have a kind of a, a Unitarian idea that all people will be saved ultimately, right?
0: Yes, which we will get to. Okay. Yes. Let's talk about the 10%
1: tithe, Ralph. Okay. I know what you're talking about, yeah.
0: The LDS Church teaches that tithing is 10% of one's annual income. Mormons are required to give 10% to remain in good standing. To
1: the ward, to the
0: church, whatever. To, to the church, yeah. Okay. To, to the, yeah, the local church ward. Uh, they're required to give 10% to remain in good standing as church members. Temple-worthy Mormons must give 10% in order to gain temple access. Each year, Mormon bishops meet privately with church with each church member to make sure they have given their ten percent. This sounds like a hustle to me.
1: <laughs> well, it. It's definitely uh, accountability. They mm. have it's just think of it as a country club. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just a country club and you're yeah. gonna make sure that it's you're paying yeah. your ten percent. Yeah, That's especially the
0: the part where the the bishop will meet with you once a year to be like, Okay, mm. show me your bank statements. What's going on here? Church leaders don't make a salary. The majority of LDS tithing goes to building and maintaining church buildings and temples.
1: Well, I do like that church leaders aren't making a salary; they're more like tent makers, and that's not their profession. Yes, yes, they um, they yeah, they all have other jobs, and mm-hmm. whoever the bishop of the church
0: is, uh, they have different. That jobs. is more
1: New Testament oriented than many churches yes. today. Yes, but like certain leaders we were talking about earlier in the the Christian world.
0: But it it makes me wonder why they're so invested in spending all this money, which is millions and millions of dollars from all over the country and world, to uh, building temples and churches. You know, we we've seen that membership in of the Mormon Church is not really on the rise but they're still building more temples every year. Mm-hmm. So they almost have this focus on quality over quantity, where they there's mm-hmm. a lot of deep pockets in the Mormon church and the leaders of these people of high status and high jobs. and Those and that are things. in it
1: will appreciate beauty. Um, it's just similar to the, how the Catholic church worked, too. Yeah. The greater the beauty, the, in, the the design, the outward appearance... Is something that people of money are attracted to, and, yeah. And these leaders understand that when they, they're in a sense marketing deep pockets.
0: Yeah, I and I also think there's a bit of a real estate hustle happening, where yeah. to build a temple you need, let's say, ten acres of land and big parking lot and stuff, okay. and and they're in these prime cities that are all going up in value.
1: You know, they're picking these these great locations to build this so who's gonna cash out when the great i mean <laughs> right according yeah, to I mean, joseph smith they should all be gone right now. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um okay so
0: but what does the new testament say ralph well wow. the the new testament does not require christians to give any certain percentage
1: you mean there's no tithing in the new
0: testament <laughs> no not not in this way no one should feel pressured to give a certain amount of money or a certain percentage of income to a church or other ministry. Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, so it's huge because. Mormons do not like that verse. Yeah. yeah. Well, they don't. They don't like it, no. though. They, the tithing 10%. itself had to do with the temple. And, and the maintenance of the temple. And the reason for the temple was the preparation for uh, following, continuing to follow and obey God's law until Jesus returned. But once Jesus returned, his new covenant destroyed the need for the temple anyway. Yeah. So you don't need to tie to that temple, and that's where church Doesn't that make
0: Mormons sound like modern-day Pharisees? You know, still, still doing, yeah. follow the law and give to the temple yeah. and build the temple. Absolutely. And,
1: yeah. I think it's, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a sensing, good argument. I'm
0: sensing Pharisee energy here. Yeah. Okay. Alcohol, Ralph. You want some? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is uh, my favorite example to bring up to the Mormon missionaries, because to me it's very cut and dry. Mm-hmm. So... In the Word of Wisdom, Mormons are prohibited from drinking strong drink, which includes alcohol of any kind. They're also prohibited from consuming coffee, caffeinated teas, tobacco, and addictive drugs. This is an example of adding to scripture, in my opinion. Um, Drinking alcohol is not prohibited in the Bible. Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine at a wedding. In Jewish tradition, fermented wine was served at weddings. Jesus also passed the passover cup which contained fermented wine put simply if it's okay for jesus to drink wine it's okay for us jesus and paul of course both spoke against being drunk and intoxicated
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um these rules are often a distraction christians are no longer under the law yet mormons are still under lds law their own laws Jesus reminds us that it is not what people eat or drink that defiles them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. In Matthew 15, Paul tells us in Romans that all foods are clean.
1: So, so yeah, but you know the key not to be not to be drunk and dissipated is of course, because now it's no longer the spirit of God who controls you, but it's your own debauched mind. And- yes, of course, but they take it
0: to the level of. No alcohol. Yeah, I understand. Right, right. And to me, it's like that's—I don't know where you get that from. (laughs) Because that's uh, that's very hard uh, point to argue.
1: Well, it's the argument that uh, it's very difficult too, because there are a lot of Mormons that secretly disagree with that. And if you partake anyway,
0: yes. But I mean, I've I've talked to a Mormon guy, and he, he his response to me was. Oh, so you're saying that just because Jesus drank alcohol, it's okay for you to do it? And I'm like, yes, that is my point. (laughs) That means it's not a sin, because he did it. And even the greater point of, you know, coffee, caffeine, tea Mm -hmm. is, you know, all foods are clean. So even that stuff,
1: I would take an issue with. Saying you're not allowed to, to consume that stuff. The key element in in the New Testament is anything that consumes or holds you. Yeah, is a sin. So if right, you yeah. are addicted, addic- if it's a yeah. habit forming thing for you to drink, even the slightest amount, then then stay away from it. If it's you know, if you you know you can't, uh, if if pornography is addicting to you, yeah. then why are you watching you know certain movies that? stimulating you to want to watch pornography you know remove the junk that's making you a slave because you're no longer slaves but free yeah yes of course that's what yes
0: yes yes alcohol for me has never been a temptation i can just have one glass and i'm not tempted to drink more so sure that's one reason i like bringing that uh, example with them okay ralph the sabbath You've heard of it. I've heard of it. <laughs> the Sabbath. Mormons observe the Sabbath on Sunday. Mormons are encouraged not to work or labor or engage in any behavior that causes another
1: person to work on the Sabbath. So they're allowed to go out to fast food restaurants. Correct. To watch movies in theaters. To Just go to shop baseball, of any kind. baseball games or hockey or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because if they engage in such things... They're causing other people to have to work. Yeah, yeah, correct. So they don't they don't do that. Is that? Yes,
0: yes. Uh, similar to uh, our Jewish friends, uh, Mormons, of course, make exceptions
1: for essential jobs and emergency services, of course. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, my great grandfather wouldn't do that. They lived up in northern Manitoba, where it gets mighty cold minus forty five, minus fifty in the winter. So my great aunt tells the story of her dad refusing to put firewood, to get the firewood from outside and put it to build a fire because it was the Sabbath. the Sabbath and he was not allowed to work. And she said, even at the expense of us freezing or the cattle freezing, you're not gonna you're not gonna make a fire and she made a big deal about it. But even
0: making a fire would qualify as work? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. it's effort it's labor
0: i know but don't you still have to like make food
1: on the sabbath no you no you would always make your food in advance and then just Mm. you would eat it but to me eating is also work you have to move your jaw (laughs) up and down so i I think i think for the
0: mormons work is more like paid job work
1: yeah well you can draw draw your line anywhere yes yes right, right yes but um okay
0: so um you know Christians are not required to follow the old covenant sabbath laws Jesus taught that the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath Mark 2 Jesus said that he like uh is sorry that he like his father works on the sabbath Uh Paul is clear that the sabbath is not binding upon believers in Colossians Paul identifies the sabbath as a shadow along with requirements regarding foods festivals in the new moon, Colossians two, Paul says in Romans, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So the book of the
1: book of of Hebrews also really covers the the end of the Sabbath Jesus fulfilled at. Yeah. So there's no need for a Sabbath rest anymore because every day you enter into his rest from here Mm -hmm. on. I like that. Yeah. Hebrews, the nice. book of Hebrews, brilliantly written, whether it was Apollos or Paul or somebody else, mm-hmm. is a victory lap mm. in living the Christian living. Yeah. Reading the book of Hebrews is a victory lap. It is so liberating on so many levels, especially when you understand the Old Testament first, going into it.
0: And that, that book was written to the Jews, right? That audience. It's written
1: to three levels of Jews. I know it's sidetracking here, but it's yeah. written to the the Jews that did not absolutely did not believe in Jesus as Lord. it was written to the Jews that had an intellectual interest in they mm-hmm. liked the idea of these teachings, but they hadn't surrendered their hearts and souls and been converted and it was also written to the true believers and it depends okay. on what part of the book you're in. Each right. addresses different groups of people because he's speaking to a whole audience, and sometimes he's addressing. Only the intellectually dishonest. And sometimes he's addressing just Christians, and other times he's addressing the non believers in appealing to them in, in an evangelistic way. Greatest sure. book. Great okay, book. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I've, I've talked to Mormons who
0: say, oh, yeah, you know, we'll go to In N Out at like 1201 Sunday nights, <laughs> you know, because it's no longer the yeah, Sabbath. I'm sure. like, all right, well, you know. When you're under that legalism, you're just trying to find ways to skirt it as much as possible. That's the, and, and the their, human and instinct. Their response to you know, that
1: is, commonly, what, yeah, what response play. might they have to that? They'd be like, well, it's not on the Sabbath.
0: know. justifying yeah, yeah. I'm Like, hey, we're keeping it.
1: It's my story,
0: and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> exactly. Okay, those who don't believe, Ralph. Um, the biggest selling point of Mormonism is that no one really goes to hell. There's a place called Outer Darkness, but very few people actually go there. Mormons believe that everyone who dies goes to a spirit world where they are judged. Those who choose evil works rather than good are cast into Outer Darkness, which is a spirit prison. While in spirit prison, people are taught the gospel before their final judgments. Mormons cite First Peter, which states that the gospel is preached also to
1: the dead. Okay, do you want to extrapolate 1 Peter 4, 6 for us so that we know what it really means in context?
0: Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not knowledgeable of what it means in, in context. I'll pull it up for you. Everyone else goes to spirit paradise, a place of rest and peace, before they receive a final judgment. Mormons believe that heaven is a physical location... They also believe there are three levels of heaven.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: this reminds me of the Catholics, which yeah. I think we'll get into next episode. But this, like, there's this place before the judgment, and then you, you know, you have this chance after death to hear, and then the, this thing before the judgment.
1: That that verse that you have there is even written improperly. Okay. That it, he has told us. Um, you know, this whole story about Jesus Christ. So that is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. He's referring... Oh, those were now all dead. All the Old Testament people, the people that went before that didn't yet know who Messiah was. He's not talking about the future dead people as so you're praying for them. Oh, Je- so yeah, Jesus, yeah. Jesus went to paradise, or Abraham's bosom and shared the whole message of why he to the people that had died. Hey, I'm the one you were waiting for. Here I am. And yeah, he preached the good news to them and brought them, no doubt, to paradise because they were his, brought part of his, yeah,
0: his yes, family.
1: So that's what this verse six is though. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead, who are presently now mm. dead, so that although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the spirit. You see how that. Change the context from what you were reading there. Yes, and they and really they twist this. that because they don't understand. I mean, you just have yeah. to flesh and blood. So that would apply very
0: specifically to this Old Testament group. Yeah, it's history
1: I mean, It's it's talking about those who died that waited morning. that were in the original right Hebrew Hebraic covenant, waiting for God. Yeah, but Mormons love finding this stuff in the Old Testament, like
0: oh, that still applies today. We yeah. can <laughs> still do it that way we can still take it out of context like we always have that doesn't apply yeah right Um, okay so the three Mm -hmm. levels of heaven yeah right the highest level the celestial kingdom which is reserved for faithful LDS members who get sealed in the temple in marriage and follow the rules the middle level is the terrestrial kingdom which is for people who didn't accept Jesus on earth but were basically good people and accepted Christ after death
1: before the final judgment
0: yes when you're in the the spirit yeah or the, spirit world yeah the spirit world and then before the the judgment yeah
1: uh the and, lo- and the celestial,
0: the lowest of the celestial kingdom right which is for people who never accepted jesus and committed horrible sins these people suffer for a time <laughs> and then end up in a blissful place those in the outer darkness who receiving negative judgment stay in
1: the outer darkness
0: <laughs> but that's a very that's like Hitler and that his sounds in.
1: well wait a minute so what if they repent they hear the, the which is for people who never accepted Jesus oh and committed horrible sin. okay so they yeah, hear never. it they hear it in the final judgment and they still and, say screw you God and, yeah and therefore that's why they end up but at that point they're just in uh, a blissful place even still despite the fact they were cursing God and saying why don't you die God um, thanks for nothing <laughs> they are still in a blissful place and how does it, how does that separate it from those who are now receiving a negative judgment i mean why does some get to live in bliss and others in uh, Well, why cuz i th- cause i, th- I think this? in the
0: tushar even though they didn't accept jesus on earth or after um they 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 suffered for a time so that's their punishment okay and then they get the the, the you know, where the line is between that and the outer darkness, people, I'm not
1: sure. <laughs> yeah, so that's where Christian annihilationism yeah. deviates. It just similar to Mormonism. It starts to go there. Yeah. It's all works-based. This yeah. whole thing, oh. you can break it down to oh, works-based. No. Whether it's in the Christian church, the Catholic, the Protestant, Catholic, or Mormons, that's the one thing they do share, is when they Works go works-based. off the reservation and it becomes works-based. Oh, yeah, That's absolutely. what drives that. Celestial, terrestrial, celestial. Yeah. Oh, I want
0: to get to the highest one. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, yeah, the appeal of Mormonism is evident. Universal salvation. The vast majority of people will go to some kind of heaven. Christians believe that people who die will either spend eternity with God or separate from God. Christians believe that there is one heaven... And the only way to get there is through faith in Jesus. We see this in Ephesians. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, right? You're just saying works. It's clear. You're not saved by works. Not by works, but by grace.
1: Well, they, they wouldn't agree that they're not saved. Well, maybe they wouldn't, but Christians might agree that you're not saved by works. But they still might believe in annihilationism, which teaches yeah. universal nobody's going to hell, which goes against the very words that Jesus used about eternal conscious torment. Another yes, story. I agree. Um, this is the
0: good news. Trying to earn your way to heaven or make yourself good enough for heaven is an attempt to be your own God. Yeah, back should be the, the like one from. of us. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> said the Serpent. Um, the LDS faith was off from the start and has proven to be a theological cult. Mormons and Christians share many beliefs, but there are enough fundamental differences to support that Mormonism is not a Christian faith.
1: Well, before you close, mm-hmm. I want to know how many mormons out there are still listening to what we've been talking about because really i would probably love to, none i would love to pray with you and or, or hear what your thoughts are rather than just pray with you yeah i really want to hear why you're still listening have you is this reaching your soul is there something about what we're saying that's convicting you is it that you can't stop watching or listening because it's Describing a train wreck that you're involved in and you don't know where to go with it. Mm-hmm. And we can help you with that, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whenever the missionaries ask me to talk, I always say yes. I always want to talk to the missionaries because it's my chance to also evangelize to them and tell them my point of view of, of what I believe. So I, I love talking to Mormons and having that, that dialogue and just understanding. What they believe and what they have answers for, and what they don't have answers for, we're where 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 the
1: limits are to us. Well, if you're pre-programmed to have an answer for everything, as a mm-hmm. mission, more missionary, as much as possible, or say I I don't know, and, and just be ready to answer intellectually, honestly. If they tell you go A, B, or C, you know if this if you're asked this question, give them that answer. Does that make them? Do you think that? What does that do to more of a missionary? Do they tune out? Do they just look at people who aren't willing to listen to them as, well, you're heathens, you're going to go to the celestial kingdom, and that's that? Or what does that invoke in them, do you think? Have you t- ever talked to missionaries? Well,
0: that's a good question. I mean, I, I remember talking to one missionary, and he said, you know, the verse in Revelation about not adding to this book, that's a Tuesday for me. I hear that all the time, so I think they there are probably six or seven main t- talking points that they are probably taught you will hear this you know here's the response mm-hmm. to, to these points, because you know usually they do have an answer except for I really go off the beaten path of like well if God was a person who was his God and who you know or if you've been sealed to multiple people, do you have them in in an eternity in the celestial kingdom
1: which ones do you get to keep which ones do you not yeah. keep what what if they yeah. were married to another person which planet do they get to choose to be part of yours or theirs yeah yeah right right so many questions so, yeah so many questions
0: um and i mentioned you know the the having things in common you know i have mormon friends i um i once spoke at this uh Family history and genealogy conference for my friends LDS uh, ward in, in southern Utah because I'm also a fan of family history and genealogy. So I just shared my story and stuff. So many friends I like, you know, they're um, against abortion. They tend to be, you know, Republican and conservative, and they're pro uh, marriage and education and and just family values and just mm-hmm. salt of the earth people that will help you move and invite you over to parties and gatherings and stuff. So, uh, as far as this um, community, you know, we're so similar. We get along so well because we have Mm -hmm. so many of the same values and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you look at the theology, you know, it's very different, you know.
1: And does that matter?
0: Um, Not in terms of
1: friendship, you know, I don't think. But, our, if we don't share the differences with them, aren't we really it, sending them to hell with a sandwich?
0: Right, right, right. And no, no, times? no. then uh, yeah, I love sharing the differences and talking about that. You know, I mean, I think
1: because if they're if they're enslaved to this, what's going to happen? I mean, it's not the Bible doesn't teach that there's a celestial. Celestial right, right. and terrestrial or you know, whatever the order. It doesn't right. teach I mean, that's gonna you know. happen. What does it teach? It talks about being one way to heaven. It's through Jesus by surrendering right. to him. And and there's no yeah. other way. And that means that we're those who are not surrendered to him, who have made up their own little worlds, whatever it is, whether it be Mormonism or some other world, yeah. they're they're enslaved to that. They're I mean they're gonna live there. For eternity, and they're not going to like it.
0: Look, God judges the heart, so it's—I'm not the one who decides who's saved and who's not saved. So I think God will judge your heart and judge you on the knowledge you do have. Yep. And He is uh, fair, and He is just, and He is a God of grace.
1: But what does He tell us to do? To you know, like about seeking truth and justice with all our hearts. How do you yeah. do that if
0: you? I mean, yeah, I believe the the truth will set us free, and that's you know that's why I like to evangelize to them and share it to them because I I think there's a better way in that if you know the, I've read many stories of Mormons who left the church and were set free by this truth and you know was unburdened themselves and wow you know yeah. so you have all those those testimonies as well. Yeah, I was just reading one this morning. It's pretty powerful. Um, but oh, you know, you I mean. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a real sort of separate the religion from the follower, I guess you know, because the the religion, I mean, from the start, had this sort of hostile take of all you other Christian churches are wrong, we are the right ones, this is the one true religion to follow, you know, like you know, that's an aggressive stance to take right away.
1: Well, I think we all have to be weary that if you well, if you don't know the Lord you're hopelessly lost at sea without a you you are not even aware that you're not breathing. Yeah. But once you do know the Lord, if you then turn again and later get seduced by such things yeah. like this, I mean tra- you know,
0: the the reason Mormonism became more popular than Nexium is because <laughs> they co opted the name of Jesus Christ. And there was seemingly enough truth in it that it was seductive to people, I think. Especially maybe for Americans that it filled a narcissistic desire of making America special. It's fed in a way this American exceptionalism idea of, you know, Christ came here and said, you know... There was a book that was written here and about this place. I think uh, fed an appetite people have for that I think. So
1: why do you think Joseph Smith really started this? Did he just need to have people follow him to, to like goose up his his narcissistic ex? Uh, you know, some people are. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good question. How much of it driven by the energy of
0: having more people right, engaged
1: yeah. in their thing?
0: it yeah it's a it's a good question of how much of it was originated by him versus him being some kind of puppet and there's other outside influence saying you know we just need a face of this a figurehead yeah um you know that um, i guess we'll never know exactly yeah we will know but yeah i'll close with this this quote by uh, walter martin who wrote the Kingdom of the Cults book. Okay, it is the verdict of both history and biblical theology that Joseph Smith's religion is a polytheistic nightmare of garbled doctrines draped with the garment of Christian terminology. This fact, if nothing else, brands it as a non-Christian cult system. Harsh words
1: to read, but seemingly true, Ralph. Well, Walter Martin could articulate better than just about anybody where things (laughs) were. And he would often say, you know, I I can win these arguments and push people back into corners, but the thing that's going to change their heart is only one thing, and that is God's love. And so I extend my hand as an olive branch. I mean, I have all these facts, but really all I care about is the same thing God does, will you surrender to God on his terms and let him bring you freedom like you've never experienced before yeah and and then enter into that universal harmony that you've been searching but it's gonna be on his terms and it's gonna make total sense to you
0: yeah well that is our first episode
1: congrats man How about good that? job that you did was a good job
0: thank you thank you good interview well I'm hoping this can be an ongoing series Ralph yeah and I think we can announce that our next episode will be about Catholicism.
1: The Roman Catholic Church, or the, just in general Catholicism, or the word uh, universal church? Undecided.
0: <laughs> we'll be talking about Catholics and, okay. when, and what they believe.
1: Uh, well, what, first of all, let's just clarify. <laughs> okay. Ka- unlike, uh, now, Mormons are a cult, right? Yes, a Is, theological cult. Yes, are are we treating Catholics as a cult? Uh,
0: undecided. Okay. Uh, I don't know much about Catholics, and I'm curious about the origin and the differences. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to an interview between a Catholic guy and a Protestant. And the interview wasn't about religion, but at one point they discussed it, and the guy said, the Catholic guy said. Uh. Jesus didn't leave us the Bible. We got that four hundred years later. What he left us with is the church, and he's referring to the Catholic Church—the yeah, idea that nonsense. Peter is like the first pope, and yeah. that's the church. Well, so I understand. That. We'll get into all of that.
1: Yeah, we should. And just for the record, I think that they, unlike the Mormons, have the same Christ. Yes. And the yes. same confession of faith that a Protestant would, but there are some issues and turning points that mm-hmm. need to be discussed. But I have yes. many uh, There's a similarity uh, relationally with, like, based Catholic charismatic or relationally based Christ, uh, Christian Catholic friends that I'm certain have the Holy Spirit in them. Sure, I'm certain absolutely. walk that way. They And to the degree that they accept or don't accept the Catholic doctrine is to the the degree their relationship is either strengthened or hindered. And Absolutely the same would be yes. true of mine yes. too. Yes. Uh, yes, yes, yes.
0: To, to clarify, this series understanding religion is not specifically about cults. It will be about just just understanding any, Anything, yeah, or, or, or my
1: sectors knowledge. or factors factions. Yes. of religion. Yes. yes, anything and everything. We're okay. Study sunni Sunnis versus Shiites, and uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, we'll talk about Nexium. We'll talk about okay, yeah, so, Illuminati. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this is Caleb and Ralph signing off. Peace out and God bless.